Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hi, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life and make it a great one by listening to podcasts about possibility, to meet women from all over the world that have stories that might inspire your path in your journey. This is how I believe my podcast works, as a friend of a friend of a friend. That's how it always works. So Taylor was introduced to me through my dear friend, Christy Bells, who said, you have to know Taylor. So Taylor, uh, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, Betsy. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Taylor Gardner, um, superstar, graduating senior this year. Um, yeah. So, but let's go back because your history is that of incredible international studies and um, all kinds of cool women's issues. So, um, just you know, it's so nice to have a young, fresh face on Boost Power Podcast. So, go back to a little bit, like, so what is your backstory? How did you get you know to study and be such a global citizen? Yeah. Um, so first, I'm a so I'm a Denver native, but I now go to university at in North Carolina. So I'm at Elon University, and my I think just interest in international and global issues really began because my parents were actually Peace Corps volunteers in Costa Rica, and even though I wasn't there for when they were in the Peace Corps, they stayed in contact with the family that they lived with, and I went there every single summer growing up, and it was just a really fun cool experience for me because, you know, I didn't know the same language as them, as the people there. Um, but just playing soccer, picking berries, like going on hikes with the people in the area and also seeing what poverty looks like also at a young age was really inspiring. And, you know, getting to meet some of the coolest, most interesting people and hear stories. You know, that's what I enjoyed most was sitting around a dinner table and getting to talk about stories and hear everyone's perspectives. Well, that is cool. You know, I never was around anything. I think Peace Corps is one of those things you grow up either knowing about it or not, right? And I was in Indiana in the heart of the Midwest with a super conservative family working at McDonald's, you know, and I'd hear about Peace Corps. I'd hear about people with up with people traveling the world and experiencing that as a young person. But I was never really experienced, uh, you know, I never experienced that myself until I got into my 20s and started my global, globalness. So, so great. So you were experienced by your, you had experiences with your parents and their families from Peace Corps. And then, you know, as a kid, you know, did you start the international club? I mean, like, how did that kind of translate into your journey? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of always knew I was interested, you know, even when I was six years old, I would say, oh, I'm going to do Peace Corps. I was really into it. Um, And then as I got older, so of course, yes, I I founded the Model United Nations Club in high school. I did all of that. Um, But then I also got really involved with the Children's International Summer Villages Program. Um, It's called CISV. And basically with that, I got to travel to a few different countries. I went to Guatemala and Brazil and um, the Czech Republic. And with that, I got to actually... Um, stay for a month in a camp with people from all over the world. So there were delegations of you know students my age, and we talked about peace through friendship. We talked about understanding other people's perspectives, and um, you know really trying to understand people eye to eye instead of just seeing them as their country. So that's also what really sparked that. Great. So there you were. Okay, 
yeah already traveling already had it in your blood and then yeah. how did you decide so what was that trajectory that you decided okay you know is it still peace corps now like traditional or you know tell us all about kind of where this path took you on this wild worldwide adventure and then winning the great big award so so many exciting things in this podcast yeah so uh, I guess like, so I always say that my biggest catalyst in life was actually I was in eighth grade and I was on this program and we were doing an outreach day. So we went to a local village in Guatemala, super poor, super um, lack of resources. And we were partnered with little kids there at a school that we were teaching at. So we were teaching English for a day. And I remember I'd packed a sandwich for myself and this little girl that I was partnered with. I think she was maybe six. And we were chit-chatting, obviously, like in Spanish. And um, I remember we were sitting down and eating. And I'd eaten my whole sandwich, you know, naturally within five seconds. And she um, took, like, one bite of it and put it away. And I said, oh, like, do you want? Do you not like it? Like, why, why don't you eat the rest? And she goes, oh, no, like, I have to save the rest for my family. Um, and that was, like, the moment where I was like, people's lives are so different. Realities are so different. And I, you know, being in eighth grade, I was young. I was like, well, I don't understand how that's fair. You know, how I get to take, you know, for granted my running faucet, my refrigerator when people don't have that. So that's kind of what started my interest in traveling the world, but also being able to help people. And so then I went to college and I major in international and global studies. And I have to concentrate within that. So I look at Latin America and the Middle East. And within that, I also you know, take Spanish courses, I take Arabic courses. And I really do think language is such a big part of connecting with people. You know, I always felt really guilty as a kid going to my parents' Peace Corps village because I didn't know Spanish, um, but they knew, you know, they knew enough English. I was like, that's not fair. Like if I want it to be, you know, kind of a mutual exchange. Um, so I learned the languages. And then I started my two-year undergraduate research. Um, and that really revolves around, so I guess, you know, what my, the main synopsis, I guess, of my research is looking at women's intergenerational memories during political violence. And I got to that um, topic because I had taken a class where we were looking at marginalized narratives during historical episodes of violence. And I realized that because, you know, we, a lot of history is only written by the winners, by men. Um, they have very much a, a male um, sphere. It's a male narrative, I guess. Um, you're missing half the story, you know? So I realized that, you know, I wanted to look at marginalized narratives and what narrative is more marginalized than a woman's. Um, and I looked specifically at Argentina and Palestine. Um, and I don't think they're very comparable socially or politically or historically, but I really wanted to understand how women in these two very different countries talk about state violence. So specifically in Argentina, I looked at the dictatorship there that was from 1976 until 83. And then in Palestine, the occupation there from 1967 until the present day. Um, and that's, really what I dived into. And then from there, I got to do the data collection, which brought me to each of these countries. So I got to study abroad in Argentina and Palestine. Oh my gosh. I mean, I read all of the stuff to prepare for today and I watched your video and I was like, wow, 
How fascinating. And, you know, what a cool, um, you know, a cool segment to look at, you know, to, because I think again in America, you know, we're worried about how long the line is at Starbucks and how inconvenient it is when our cell phone service is bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's really sad, the perspective of what is a problem. And I, I think, you know, lately we've learned a little bit more about perspective, but um, it, to really talk about, and, and it kind of the, um, the passing down of the true story that isn't in the history books from generation to generation is so fascinating, which I've always loved um, the storyteller and storytelling through many generations. Um, so, so awesome sauce. Okay. So, um, so give everybody a little perspective of timing, like how many years where before you went to the countries and then we'll take our break and come back and dive a little bit more into your experiences. All right. Yeah. So I studied abroad in Argentina. So I started my research my sophomore year. So that was two years ago. And then my junior year, so in 2018, in the fall, I studied abroad in Argentina for five months. And I lived with a host family there. I interviewed, I think it was like 19 women there. Um, and then that summer, so in the summer of 2019, I studied abroad in Palestine for two months. So that's kind of where I landed because of my research. Wow. And everybody here is going like, oh my gosh, I want what she's having. We are, you're listening to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma, and we are with Taylor Gardner, and she is telling us her global adventure and all the great things she's learned in the world. And we will be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Wiersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Okay, we're back. So Taylor now has just done her homework at home, her homework abroad, and is going to live, actually live in Argentina and Palestine to meet these women. And, you know, how was it as, you know, a young American really, really going to these countries to do some serious research into some issues that there's probably some of the country leaders that didn't want them talked about, probably some men that didn't quite want that talked about? Like, how was all that? Yeah, that was definitely something that was interesting to be navigated, I guess. Um, you know, I think, and you know, anyone who's traveled has seen this before, but unfortunately, the image that we put out as a nation globally is not always the most positive. So, of course, when I went down to Argentina, when I went over to Palestine, I had a lot of people criticizing me for you know, our government, of course, as if I could do anything about our government. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was really difficult. And then also just related to my research, I had a really hard time at first validating myself and validating the work I was doing because I would approach women and ask them if I could interview them, say, you know, talk about my research, what I wanted to look at. And, you know, they'd be like, oh, I don't know why you would do that. Like, I don't know why that's important. Um and that was really hard because I, you know, I was so excited about it. And then to hear that, I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to take a step back. Um, and just remaining confident, I think, in myself and being able to explain it in a way that people understand. And, you know, I think you made a good point. Like people are afraid. And I think that's why I got a lot of backlash at first. Um, because especially, I mean, in Argentina and Palestine, the 
country's histories are very, very recent. And the times of violence are very recent. And they're also very traumatic, which I think is the hardest part because, you know, I'm not just interviewing women about what they like to eat or anything like that. You know, I'm asking women to tell me about, you know, a very violent, a very traumatic time that and women experienced a very specific engendered form of violence during it. So that was difficult for sure. Yes. And I want to know a little bit about that. So, you know, let's just talk about Argentina and then we'll talk about Palestine. But like in Argentina, because Palestine, you know, is ongoing here in this moment in Argentina, you know, if you were to, I know this is in your paper, but I wanted you to get to say it out loud. Kind of what was your number one finding that, um, you know, you found was the shared experience of women or a couple things that really stood out to you? Yeah. So what I found, and this is very comparable to um, Palestine as well, but I found that during these periods of violence, it was the mothers that really started exiting the household at first. So you have these two pretty patriarchal societies. And during this time of, time of violence, women started coming out of the household to protest and to protect their children and families that they thought were being threatened. So that's where you see women moving out of the household first. And then you see women in general. So not just mothers, but you see you know, women from all over the country, you know, whatever socioeconomic background, everyone's becoming more visible. And that's where you really start to see, yes, we have this overarching um, national struggle that they're pushing against. But women also began to realize, no, like, I can also take this time in this space to start advocating for myself and start advocating for feminist rights that they hadn't yet achieved. Oh, so that's exciting. That's, I mean, a good out of bad also comes good. That's, that's what I think about everything about the, the large pause, whatever we're calling this time in the world is, you know, there's things that are going to be better just because we had this time and we had this perspective and we had this space. Um, so that's exciting. Okay. So then you, you live in Argentina, obviously you're fluent in Spanish, you have the host family and do, did it start like friendship conversation or conversation friendship? Like which came first? Did you, you know, did you have to do the time with the uh, ladies for them to trust you enough to really tell you the truth? Or could you start the conversation and once they kind of got you and got to like you, then they wanted to see you more? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think it's both actually. So I never just started any of my interviews, you know, it was never just sitting down with someone and starting because a lot of my interviews actually happened in the household. So it was, you know, having coffee with them first or having tea in Argentina, we have mate. So you'd always take part in this mate sharing first. And I remember I was interviewing four women one time in Argentina. And I think we talked about like tango for, I swear, like maybe an hour before we even got started on the interview. Um, and that was really important to me because I felt like it was really selfish just going into the interviews and getting something out of them. Like I wanted them to feel like I was also dedicated to them and their well-being, And I genuinely wanted them to hear, or wanted to let their voices be heard. Um, so it was always like that. And then of course the interview happened. And then after that was the relationship. So I, I mean, the amount of times I met someone's extended family in Palestine or had to sleep over because, you know, people are so welcoming and they just want you in their life. So it was a fun little balance of both. Oh, good, good. Yeah. And so then you went on to Palestine, which you were there less time in Palestine yeah. to still had a host family, I'm assuming. 
I lived in an apartment with Palestinian students. Oh, great. So you yeah. kind of had some peers. All right. Yeah. And then anything like extremely different um, now that, you know, the conflict is ongoing um, in every minute of every day, I cannot imagine being in something that is just so volatile all the time. Yeah. I mean, and that's the hard part, I think, was like going into a space where there is still such um, um, a threat to people's, you know, well-being. But what I did find in Palestine is because it's ongoing, the women have actually been pushed back into the private spheres. Um, so earlier I said that women were able to come out where they were able to protest or protesting for their own rights. But then there was very much this um, patriarchal backlash and women were pushed back into like their small private spheres. So either in small NGOs or among legal debates. Um, and I think that is very much because, I mean, obviously in both societies, they're still pretty patriarchal, but in Palestine, especially, they have this overarching and very looming experience of the, the occupation, and that's the number one threat. And I think women even are willing to give up their own rights in order to still fight for their children. They're always going to put their families first. Um, and I think that's very much the, um, I think that's very much kind of the definition of a Palestinian woman is someone that's willing to fight for their children and fight for their rights. Got it. Absolutely. And I think that's probably very, very universal, you know, in all places, mama bear, right? Exactly. Right? And so now what? So tell us now what? So you've done this research, you won this great big award at your university as like one of the top projects. You tell everybody what that was, because I'm, I don't want to get the name wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I won the award for academic achievement abroad. And that's with the Forum for Education Abroad, which is this national entity that really supports study abroad experiences for students. Nice. Um, so that's exciting. That's going to open a lot of doors. And what is next for you, Taylor? What, you know, what's the dream job? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously looking at all this research and taking a step back, I realized, all right, I was able to listen to these stories. I was able to illuminate these stories. But what are we going to do to actually help mobilize women without this needed violence and trauma? You know, like, why does it have to be this catalyst of violence that really mobilizes women. So I think that for me after college, like I'd love to go to grad school and look at um, and get a degree in international development, specifically women's empowerment and um, internet or economic development. Um, but that's kind of in a little bit of the further future right now. It's a little up in the air, you know, we're in COVID-19 era at the moment, but I was supposed to go to either Morocco for the Peace Corps or do the Fulbright in Colombia. And both of those have been postponed a little bit. Um, but I think I'm actually still going to move down to Colombia in the fall. My Fulbright doesn't start until January now because it's been postponed. Um, but me and a girlfriend of mine, I think, are actually going to go down, hopefully work at an NGO there, um, a women's NGO. I think there's a a couple for like vulnerable populations. So I'd like to work on that and hopefully just keep empowering women and empowering children, whatever it is. I just want to get back out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you are such an inspiration for all of the generations to come and let us know how we can help you. We know a lot of people at um, Peace Jam around the world and maybe we can get you connected to them as for some of your work abroad. The last thing we do is we pick a card from this magical deck. And if I was sitting across from you in person, so I'm going to just pull a random one and ask you the question. And your question is picture perfect. What is working for you? 
what is working for you? What is working for me right now? Taking time for myself and calming down a little bit. You know, I'm about to graduate. I'm very much for the first time kind of basking in what I've done and what I've accomplished. And I think that's hard, especially as a woman. I think you minimize all of your achievements and, you know, being able to say, no, like I actually, I did something good, you know, and I finished it and it was, yeah. And rocked it and you rocked it well and you're on the road. So how would people reach you, um, you know, wherever you're comfortable? If they're, they heard this, they have a job idea, they just uh, want to know you. Would you say that out loud to how people could reach you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am, you can reach me out via email. So taylorgarner84 at gmail.com. And then I'm also, I have a WordPress blog that I'm trying to advertise. It's called um, womensmemorywork.com. So you can go there. And it's all the stories I have from Argentina and Palestine, if you'd like to read them. Oh, awesome. I'm sure that's a fantastic blog. Well, we are so happy to have you on the show today. I, I just, when I read your resume, I saw your story. I was just ecstatic to know you and we want to follow you and help you. And you've got camp sisters in our group and we are, have a global sisterhood. So we'd love to come down and come find you down in Columbia when you're doing your stuff or be part of um, great work you're doing in the world. So we just appreciate all of you for listening to Boost Power Podcast. You know, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And so everything you're attracted to is for a reason. So you were attracted today to meet Taylor, to hear her story, to hear her travels, and to hear just really her stand for women of the world. And maybe you're sent to help her. Maybe you're just one of these women that she is standing for. So please share this podcast with others who can benefit from our uplifting energy and ideas. I am Betsy Wiersma. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.